0: Welcome in. It is the Bill Michaels show on a Tuesday. Not much going on last night. I'm Ben Kenny. Grant Bills will be joining me in a second. He is at work. He is ready to join. uh, Dealing with the technical aspects of him joining the program. Not much going on last night in the world of Wisconsin sports. There was a Buck Summer League game. I did not watch it, but we will talk about it. Grant Bills, are you there? Uh, No, we will try that as time goes on. But so the Bucks were in action last night. They played the Celtics. Um, I don't really know who won. I don't know if the people know who won either. Uh, But the Brewers are back in action tonight in Minnesota against the Twins. Then they get a four game set in San Francisco against the Giants leading in to the all-star break. A lot coming up today on that team. And where everyone stands, how people feel about where the Brewers sit today, because <clears throat> there's a lot of, uh, a, a lot of thoughts out there that they should go out and make a big move, that this is a team in first place. They're probably going to get in the playoffs. Now they just need to find themselves over the hump with some sort of move, whether it's a bat, whether it's an arm, whatever it is to get this team to the point where they can finally beat whatever team normally would go on and beat them and win the world series. Instead, the script is flipped. So there's that faction of, of Brewers fans, which I hear a lot from. Then there's also the faction. For some reason, people are just completely out on this team. For some reason, they have I, admittedly, they had a horrid stretch. They go four and six against the Pittsburgh Pirates and Chicago Cubs and their game, their lead in the NL central with the Cardinals win last night is down to only two games. So. Looking at that stretch, obviously you come out of it. You don't feel good. And and yeah, yesterday there was a lot of pessimism shared. But That's what the baseball season's about. When you have a horrible weekend, when you have a horrible 10 days, there's often that next week. I, the, the attitude is not as good, say, as it is when they're winning. But we said all that yesterday, also noting the fact that this is a first place baseball team. It's a team that's going to get healthier as time goes on. It's a team that really hasn't had their entire lineup together healthy at the same time. So there is some faction of Brewers fans that just think it's not possible that even though they may make the playoffs, whatever about the team, whether it's the hitting, whether it is the depth in the rotation, it's just not good enough at this point to get them over the hump. Let's try it now here. Uh, Grant Bills. Good morning. You guys hear me now? There it is.
1: We
0: did it! Grant Bills oh. is at work today. What's up, man?
1: Uh, not much. Uh, not much at all. That scared me. I was worried that if we were gonna figure that out, uh, you were a great open, by the way. You were setting things up fantastically.
0: Yeah, uh, th- th- yeah. I didn't really know where I was going because I wanted to start <sighs> off the show by asking you about the summer league game and then saying that I didn't watch it and probably uh, not many yeah. others did. Or maybe they turned it on for a second and realized what it was. But we're going to get to that later. Yeah, it's it's an interesting day today because there's no Brewers game last night to overreact to. We can't talk about how council, you know, deployed Brad Boxberger in the seventh. We're looking forward to the all-star break to the six-game stretch. But that that taste of the 10-game series with Pittsburgh and Chicago and going four and six, it's still very fresh in the mind. And I'm trying to wrap my head around where Brewers fans are at because some are, let's go all in and make a move, but not trade any top prospects to do it. And others are saying this team will never win a world series. And yes, I love overreacting to baseball because that's what the summer is about. Mm -hmm. But my overreaction is always just micromanaging a certain situation. Like I would have pulled Brandon Woodruff after that first single on Saturday. And we talked about that for a while, but I still look at it all and say, this is a playoff baseball team that's getting healthier, that even though they go through bad stretches, still shows an ability to consistently win. So I guess my question to lead off the show, Grant, is where are you today with this baseball team?
1: Uh, The last two weeks, I've said a couple of times that I almost feel better about this team because they haven't looked great yet. Like I feel like they haven't played their best baseball so they have a hot streak in them or they just have a level that they haven't reached yet, which is great because the last couple summers they've gotten hot in May or in June and then that kind of seems to be their peak and then we're chasing that the rest of the season. So we haven't seen a peak yet, which I like. Um, I'm a big adversity during the regular season guy. I like there to be ups and downs and challenges and adversity, maybe dealing with some injuries, dealing with some tough losses because I think that makes you better for the postseason. So the idea that the Brewers are you know going through that, I like. What frustrates me where I am with the Brewers right now is why so many Brewers fans want to be done with them and, and say there's no way they'll beat the Mets, no way they'll beat the Dodgers. I just think that's that's wrong. I don't even think that's an opinion that I don't like. I just think that's wrong. There's no way of knowing that the Brewers couldn't beat any team that they played in the playoffs because baseball's shown that that's the way it works the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, the Nationals a couple of years ago when they won the World Series, they were 17 and 31 by the end of May or something close to that. They were Mm -hmm. a a bad baseball team to start and then got hot. And if anyone ever says that they don't think they can beat the Mets, haven't spent enough time watching the New York Mets play baseball over the last, even since 1986. Like, yeah, they went to the World Series one year, but they are kings of you get all the hype, you go, you have a five-game lead in the division, and then September comes around and you get a little hurt, and then you start to choke. Like, if anything, the Brewers are kind of waiting there in the weeds. They're waiting there to go pounce on whoever's at the top of the NL. So I'm with you. You mentioned the facing adversity thing. Are you a believer of the theory I saw roasted out there yesterday that Craig Council purposely uh, blew Sunday's game to send a message? Do you believe that?
1: I read it. I talked (laughs) about it on the show yesterday. Um, It's awesome. I love that someone put pen to paper and wrote that and talked about that. I don't think it's true. Um, but it's a good way to say like, Hey, this team right now doesn't even have the luxury of resting a couple of guys on a Sunday getaway day. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be some conspiracy thing that Craig council was up to. Sunday's game is just an example. Hey, if we want to rest Williams and hater for one game and rest one outfielder, then we're starting Jonathan Davis, Jace Peterson. We're pitching Brent Suter and Chichi Gonzalez in in crunch time, you know, I, I don't know if that was council throwing the game to make a point but it's an example that they don't really have the luxury of giving any guys a day off right now, even on a Sunday when you typically want to rest some guys,
0: they don't really have a luxury of giving guys a day off. And we're going to get into this later, but you may notice that Jason Alexander is starting for the Brewers tonight in Minnesota tomorrow. Aaron Ashby is the uh, prospective starter. The number one for the Brewers is Corbin Burns. He last threw on July 6th against the Chicago Cubs. So you would expect that today or tomorrow might be his next start. Maybe he fits another one in there at the end of the week against San Francisco, but that is not the case. He is going to pitch once in San Francisco in theory to go pitch in the all-star game. So that's, yeah, that's one angle that we'll touch on today with the all-star game coming up. 877 867 1670 is how you join the program. He is on Twitter at Wisco Grant. I am at Ben Z. Kenny. Why, why is everybody out on the Brewers? Why do people feel this way? I do you think it's just the fact that they went four and six against two bad baseball teams, or do you think it's years and years of disappointment bottled into what I said yesterday is I kind of see the defense on the team right now. Kind of like I saw the Packers special teams last year. It's something yes. that you, you kind of see it happen and you're like, wait, that might be a problem. They're still winning, but it might be a problem. And then yeah. if it makes them lose in the playoffs, you'll look back and say, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Is it just that? Is it the years and years of losing in the playoffs, but being good, but not good enough? What is it? I don't get it. I think it's
1: the years and years of Brewers fandom. I mean, they meant 26 years without making the playoffs from 82 to 2008 or whatever it was. I don't know. I don't even think that math checks out. Does that math check out? Yeah, whatever. I mean, this team has been, I brought this up on my show yesterday, comparing them to the Vikings who have never won a championship. The Vikings have been to four Super Bowls. The Brewers have only been to one. Right, So all of these teams that we use as kind of a thermometer for just terrible teams, the Brewers are up there, right? And this is the team that we've watched forever. So I I think we're wired a certain way. Brewers fans are almost, we don't seek out the pain and frustration, but it it seems like we kind of do, right? Because the last few days we're like, oh, this team's done. Like we we just want to be over it because we don't want to deal with the stress of maybe being let down. I, I think that's what it is. And I think Wisconsin sports fans are just wired this unique way. I don't even know how to describe it. Maybe you've noticed it too. We're just wired differently than other fan bases. Every fan base is different.
0: Yeah, I see it. I feel like there are some aspects of this team though that's bringing this out more so than last year. Like when the team got cold down the stretch of last season, I was still confident they would figure it out. They were resting people and that was a discussion of should that be happening. But they were just cold. Overall, the offense was dead cold and it showed. I still was confident they would figure it out, but that was still a team that at this point in the season, like where we sit today, there most people out there were thinking, could this team get to a World Series? That was the discussion being had instead yeah. of, I mean, I, I've heard discussions yesterday of should they sell Josh Hader? Like we're not even talking about, do oh. we think they can win? We're talking about, would it be better for the future to get rid of one of the greatest closers of all time? I feel like some of the things coming about this team have to do with the fact that you look up and down the lineup. And I'm not going to talk about the rotation because it's been hurt. It's been inconsistent. It's kind of weird to unpack. And -hmm. and it's not something that you can really relate to anything else. It's just week by week. I feel like the feelings change there. But you look up and down the lineup. And I used the same word yesterday to describe pretty much everybody there, every normal position player. They're all fine at the plate. They're fine. They are yeah. all very fine. Not spectacular, but not terrible. Like Rowdy Teles, he's gotten a little hot, but yeah, he's fine. Colton Wong has not played a great second base this year, but still <laughs> no. not the worst second baseman you can find in baseball. Willie Adamas. Expectations were a lot higher than what he's reached this season, but he's fine at this point. He hits for power. The batting average is in there. The on-base is horrific, but he, yeah. he's been fine at the plate. He has... He has the uh, second highest OPS on the team, still or third highest, excuse me, behind Rowdy Telez and Hunter Renfro. Christian Yelich, I mean, at the leadoff spot. It, listen, I I know I was a big move Yelich to leadoff guy and joked around Work. that it made him, you know, Pete Rose or Ichiro once he did it. He's been fine there. Like he, he's been better, but nothing nothing drastically uh, overwhelming. I would say from that spot. And then Renfro's been up and down. He's been hurt, but he's also just fine up there. I think part of the problem is it's not like you have a couple high ceiling guys like Prince field or Ryan Braun, and then a bunch of guys that can't hit it's every single person fits into the same category of, yeah, he's like, whatever. Like I, I I trust him. I like him, but he's not going to blow the roof off the building.
1: See, you had Bill Michaels on the show or uh, Craig council on with Bill Michaels a couple weeks ago. Yes. And when, I was listening to that interview. I thought, all right, if I could have Craig on my show, what would I ask him, right? Because sometimes if I if I think of things, I'll write them down. Like, I have a little note sheet. It's like, if I ever were to talk to Matt LaFleur or Craig Counselor, you know, what would I ask him? One thing that I would love to ask Craig, what's it like managing a batting order where all of the bats are basically the same? You know what I mean? Like, like think of the Cardinals. They have Goldschmidt and Arenado in the middle of their lineup. And those two guys are head and shoulders better than everyone else. And you can line everything up and that I feel like Greg council has just got a bunch of guys and it wouldn't really matter that much how you lined them up, make a small difference, but that's gotta be an interesting
0: challenge from how do you go about dealing with that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you know what it feels like to me? And I don't <laughs> yeah. like to talk about fantasy football because no one cares at the end of the day. And I know that very self-aware in that sense yet. Everybody here listening, I'm sure, has definitely heard of it, but probably has played it once or twice. It's like when you have a fantasy football lineup with four to five wide receivers that you know will get you like 10 and that all will be solid at producing just just enough points to be okay, but there isn't that one Tyreek Hill on your team. You don't have, and your ideal world is you want to package all four of those guys to get a guy that can just do all their production, but in one spot. I feel like for council, it's, they're all gonna be similar hitters profile wise, except for it's for power and all that minutia. But it feels kind of like trying to set a fantasy football lineup where most of the guys are projected eight point three points.
1: Well and you know that those fantasy football teams are the worst teams. Oh by right? far. And you all you always feel like you're making the wrong lineup decision. Like one week you start Ted Ginn and you should have started, I don't know, fill in the blank Randall Cobb, like you have a bunch of guys like that and you always feel like you're starting the wrong one because they're all the same and it's not an easy decision. That's got to be how Craig Council feels, right? I also think that their offense for this reason isn't that far away because if you can find one elite bat to tuck in the middle of all those guys, you don't have any bad bats, right? You have a pretty nice unforgiving lineup top to bottom because anyone can give you a nice night. They don't have that one great guy in the middle to kind of bring everyone up. So I agree with you. They have a meh lineup, but it's also a lineup that I think is is ready to receive that one great bat, and that great bat would make a world of difference.
0: I agree, and we're going to talk about this next and really throughout the show with this whole trading the top prospect thing, which I'm also trying to wrap my head around. My, by the way, my
1: analogy should have been Devin Funches. Ted Ginn or Devin Funches. Like, those are those perfect wide receivers where you just have a bunch of them and your team stinks. Yeah. And you're always starting the wrong one.
0: Yeah, Funches works. Carolina Funches, yeah. though. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-packer Funches because that didn't really work out well. 877-867-1670. Ben Kenny and Grant Bills are in for Bill Michaels today. Coming up next. So there's what Grant just mentioned with trading for a big bat. We're going to get into that. We're going to keep talking about why people are out on this team. And I don't really know if I'm trying to persuade people otherwise, because I share some of their feelings about the state of where they're at right now. I guess I do want to throw out the idea that they have no chance because I, that is, that is a perspective I think is dangerous to have on July 12th with the trade deadline to come. We're talking about that next. There is also a baseball team. I want to compare this Brewers team to, we had talked about it on the bill Michaels show previously, but it could be an interesting look at what the team could do to get over the hump and what's necessary because they share a lot in common with this team. 877 867 1670 is how you get a hold of the program. We're going to step away here, take a quick break. Ben Kenny and Grant Bills are in for Bill Michaels.
1: Ready? This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: back in it is the Bill Michaels show on a Tuesday. I'm Ben Kenny, Grant Bills in for Bill. Bill, off the rest of the week Grant and I are taking you up until the weekend and then Bill will be back on Monday. Uh Grant, do you want to address yesterday? I uh, should we save that for later?
1: <laughs> uh like what happened yesterday morning?
0: Listen, I here's from my perspective. So the show yeah. starts uh, you obviously had, had other things come up and my genuine thought was fine. Like I, th- that doesn't really matter. Things happen. This mm-hmm. isn't your job. You're, you're filling in. You're not obligated necessarily to do it. You said something that came up and I, I totally understood fine. Move forward. I'm hosting with Ebo. And naturally I, part of it is cause we're on Twitch and the Ebo army does attack people. I they said, do.
1: they're like Swifties.
0: I said often, I, I said several times, Everybody should go tweet at Grant. What are you doing from 10 to 2 on a Monday instead of working? I thought it was funny. I think where you went wrong, genuinely, is that video should never have been posted. <laughs> if you had just retweeted one of them or even commented or ignored it, it wouldn't have been a talking point. But the video, like, the grave was kind of dug at that point.
1: Yeah, but also a quote tweet wouldn't have been as entertaining. We wouldn't be talking about it today. That's you true. Know what I mean? It wouldn't have become a thing.
0: It was terrific for content, but then it got kind of mean, you know?
1: I'm fine. If you haven't figured this out about me yet, I'm fine with being the butt of a joke. If it means everyone gets to laugh at a joke, right? (laughs) if, If it means we have great content at my expense, well, guess what? We have great content. It's fine. It's fine.
0: Did you hear Dave from Monona's call from later in the show?
1: He called me last night and said I have to start standing up for myself and I and I gotta <laughs> let everyone or stop everyone from walking all over me.
0: I don't really uh, think that's what it was. If anything, I what did he
1: what did he tell you guys?
0: Uh he he was saying that first of all he didn't believe you went to the gym and started talking about some membership huh? to a female only gym, which I that's didn't right. I didn't really get that reference. That must have been something that happened in the past. He,
1: he called it like the Jenny Craig gym yeah. or the, the pampered <laughs> chef gym. I can't remember what he said on my show, at, but he did say that too.
0: He was amazed.
1: Yeah, I go to the gym, not every morning, but every other morning, a couple times a week.
0: He was very amazed at the, at the phone setup that you had with the things thumbtacked to the wall.
1: Oh, oh, I got to send you a picture of that by the way. Yeah. I've been, uh, For those who maybe missed that yesterday, I've been watching TV by thumbtacking my phone to the ceiling above my bed (laughs) because my TV won't connect to Wi-Fi.
0: Which, for the record, I mean, everybody, everyone won't shut up about how this generation isn't as resourceful if we want to make it a generation thing like Dave did. Listen, I had a lamp come in. There's no ceiling light in my bedroom, but there is in the main room in my apartment.
1: Classic so, like college house thing for there not to be an overhead light in in rooms for whatever reason. Oh, this is not a college house thing, but just an older house thing. Some of my older houses that I've been in.
0: Oh, this is even a this is an apartment building that I wouldn't call necessarily old. But yeah, there's really? no there's no overhead light, but I kind of like it. But I ordered a lamp to, like a, a side lamp to have. And the way that it was constructed is you had to screw in. The, the things that hold the wire, I guess, and also the stanchion, but Ugh. there was too much wire to actually screw the things on, so mm-hmm. it wouldn't connect. So being a resourceful person, I went to Walgreens. <laughs> I bought some Gorilla tape, and I taped nice. it kind of to the – I tried to tape it to the top with the bottom of one end going to the bottom of the other or the top of the other, but mm-hmm. that didn't work because there wasn't enough traction there that would fall over, so I taped it side to side. And honestly, I think it looks better that way.
1: Yeah, well, sometimes it's it's about the journey, not the destination, right? It's about being resourceful and figuring things out, which I thought Evo and Nelson and everyone else who likes to dump on our generation. Nelson made fun of my generation today, although I think we're like three or four years apart. (laughs) <laughs> um, I thought that that crowd would appreciate a little ingenuity and creativity, but uh, I guess not.
0: No, yeah, it was good. Uh, I, I mean, one clear difference, and we'll get into this later. Uh one clear difference that I've noticed is the is the want and need for certain small ball practices, such as bunting. Uh, just, just generally, <laughs> that's a generational. Thing. Now, one question I want to ask, I wanted to persist throughout the rest of the show today, Grant, is what do what do you need? the brewers to do or what do you need to see and this could be a big deadline move a trade it could be strategy by council it could be different players and how they perform but for those that are suddenly out on this team being able to contend for a world series and i grant i think we agree that despite their flaws they still will have a chance to contend correct
1: yeah because baseball is so weird It doesn't matter if you're 20 games over 500 or five games over 500. If you get into the playoffs and you're feeling good, you can do anything.
0: So for those that believe that the World Series is now out of the question or at least are heavily doubting where this team stands after an abysmal 10 days of baseball, uh, what do you need to see them do? What do you need to see from the team on the field, off the field, whatever that is? You mentioned Grant just be just needing the ticket, the ticket to the dance to then make to go and make a run. So Bill and I were talking a couple weeks ago when initial all-star projections came out and Corbin Burns and Josh Hader were the only Brewers on it. And and that makes sense. I don't think anyone's surprised. Maybe Devin Williams has played himself into that. There's an argument definitely to be made there, but nobody would argue that there are no position players worthy of an all-star game on this team. So he asked, and I, I ended up finding it the last team in baseball to not have a single position player, make an all-star game or start an all-star game to go and win the world series. It was the 2014 San Francisco giants. Now that was their mm-hmm. third world series in six in five years. They won in 10, 12 and 14. It was that crazy game seven where bum Garner came in the third inning, shut down the Royals. Uh, a, a great postseason baseball series. But when you look at the 2014 All-Star game, Hunter Pence was a reserve. That was their only All-Star on the hitting side of the baseball. Then uh, Madison Bumgardner uh, also made it as well as Tim Hudson. So they were kind of in a similar spot as the Brewers. They did not win that NOS division in a second. They went 88-74, and 74, which could be what this Brewers team looks like at the end of the year, maybe. Yeah. And there were a lot of parallels that I was starting to draw. Because they had a horse at the top of the rotation in Madison Bumgarner. They had a pretty solid bullpen. They had probably one ceiling mover on offense, that being Buster Posey, like one impact everyday bat. And the rest of the guys were hot and cold. But then as soon as they got to the playoffs, they went and they beat Pittsburgh in the wild card game. Remember, that was when the Garrett Cole and and McCutcheon Pittsburgh team would just lose every playoff game they played, which is a little sad.
1: They then, I, agree. I know they're a divisional rival, but I always kind of wanted to see them do something.
0: I also, for some reason, the yellow and black in Pittsburgh in the playoffs, it looks cool. Like when Russell Martin hit that home run years ago, remember that? You
1: there. Yeah. I always wanted to see them win some playoff games. If not the Brewers, I have no problem cheering for the Reds or the Pirates. The Cubs, not so much. The Cardinals, definitely not. But those other two teams, yeah.
0: It's also because they've been largely irrelevant our whole lives. So we haven't had to see them celebrate while the Brewers don't. I definitely yeah. share that with some teams uh, near and dear to the Philadelphia Phillies. But uh, the Giants went on. They, they beat the Nationals in the Division Series 3-1. to They beat the Cardinals in the NLCS 4-1. to And then they beat the Royals in the World Series. And they go on and win the World Series from a wild card spot. So I say all that to say, first of all, these are kind of similar baseball teams. Good pitching, offenses that won't blow you away, not much star power but not only, I mean, they had championship pedigree because most of those guys had won it previously, but I I was interested to see, Grant, what they did at the deadline that year to bolster their club. And you might roll your eyes at this, as many have when I brought this up, but they made one move. Do you want to guess where that move was on their team? Was it a starting pitcher? It was a starting pitcher. His name is Jake Peavy. After going to the Giants, he ended up uh, pitching to a 6-4 and four record with a 2.17 ERA and really became the second best pitcher on that staff behind Bumgarner. So then, I as as I said, they go, they win the World Series. I say all this to say, I think there can be a parallel drawn between a team, the caliber of this Giants team and the Brewers to show that it is possible, definitely, if they get to the World Series with the club they have today to go on and win it. The second thing, which we'll transition into what we will talk about next, I think this team needs more starting pitching, Grant.
1: Really? Um, When was the last time we did this show together? Because you were saying the same thing then.
0: June 22nd.
1: So a little bit less than a month ago. I think you're more right now than you were then. <laughs> um, I'm still not going to say I'm all the way there with you, but I'm definitely seeing more and more where you're coming from. I... You can't have too much good starting pitching, right? Is it impossible to have too much good starting pitching? I don't think you can place realistically in today's game where you have too much.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's possible to have too much.
1: So if the Brewers have Woodruff, Burns, I mean, the Peralta thing is weird. Depending on the day you ask a Brewer fan and what mood they're in, they're going to give you a different answer. Like if the Brewers are winning and we feel great about them, you're saying, say, hey, Freddie Peralta is going to come back in August. He's going to be great. He's going to play a big role. And then if the Brewers are losing and we're down on him, you could say, Oh, who knows Freddie Peralta this year. If he does, he might not be his self. You know, he might stink. So I I don't know what to do with the Freddie thing. I don't know that I trust Ashby in a postseason setting. I definitely don't trust Hauser. I'd like to think that Lauer shows us a better version of himself at some point this year.
0: Is that silly to think? I think a return to his form in May would do a lot to quell my suspicions about this pitching staff. But okay. time as time has gone on as gone on, he hasn't he hasn't done that since maybe early June. He stinks. Uh, he hasn't. He, I mean, You could
1: accidentally have a good start. You know what I mean? Same with Hauser. Yeah. Like it was almost impressive how many bad starts he had in a row.
0: Yes. Uh, the Lauer thing. I think there were legitimate signs there of a big jump in terms of what his pitches were doing. The fact he was missing bats. Uh, strikeout numbers went way up. His velocity was sitting really good. And then he just hasn't been able to keep the ball in the ballpark. I think it's really been that simple for him.
1: So is it a small adjustment? Like here, here's something I've been mentioning this summer with starting pitching. The development for a starting pitcher isn't linear, right? You're going to have a good stretch and then hitters are going to start to figure some things out. and Then you're going to struggle and then you got to adjust and take that next step and then your trajectory goes up again. So it's very up and down, almost like a stock market line graph would be. And I feel like hopefully we're just in a regression right now with Lauer and he's got to look at tape and figure out what guys have figured out about him so then he can adjust to the adjustment, right? Or he just stinks now. I'd like to believe that, he just needs to make some adjustments.
0: I mean, even if him stinking means two earned through five against Pittsburgh with seven Ks and then one earned <laughs> yeah. through six, I yeah, there were asterisks. Uh, there's an asterisk next to that start, but Pedro Severino just dropped the strike. You know, I, I yeah, I'm gonna let Lauer off the hook there. One one earned through six against the Cubs, nine Ks. He did give up one home run, and then it's the starts before that. It was the run of eight runs with three bombs against Washington early June, four against Cincinnati, five runs against St. Louis, three and four and a third against Tampa. There could be a sign that he's turned it around a little bit. I'm not going to go as far as to say he stinks because there are other pitchers in the rotation. I would label that, including the one starting tonight, including the one that closed uh, the game a couple <laughs> nights ago. But uh, the the moves are like that could be made are interesting. And we're going to talk about some random off the cuff brewers thoughts coming up here in about half an hour to an hour, things that haven't maybe been fully baked, but just thoughts we've started to have. I'm kind of getting in a boat where I would like to see Freddie Peralta when he comes back, become their high leverage, long relief bullpen arm. And it might be crazy to say, maybe he starts games in the regular season, but when they get to playoff time, like any situation, and this is before any trades could be made. So maybe they get better. But to avoid any situation where even Trevor Gott is having to come in with runners on, I would like to maybe see Freddy Peralta deployed in that role. Like they have the talent to go move different ways. That could be something where maybe he doesn't have the stamina to be a starter. I, we don't know what it's going to look like. I, or maybe his stuff is good enough, but then it kind of tails off over time where a roll out of the bullpen could work. But even so, I... And, was part of this looking at what the Giants did and the fact Jake Peavy was a beast and the fact that I mean what carried them through that playoffs uh, were was their pitching minus some very timely hitting It's, it's still the thought of yes I want the Brewers to make a move yes I'm okay seeing some of the top prospects go but when I look up and down the lineup and this has to do with the fine thing we were talking about I don't know if one bat goes and does the difference because Josh Bell over Rowdy Teles, how much of an upgrade is that really? Well, okay.
1: Here's the thing: if they get a bat, I want it to be someone outstanding. Like, don't give me Andrew Benintendi for a year or something. Like, go get me a go get me a star, get an amazing player, and pay a lot for it. Brewers fans, we got to chill with the. Well, I want you to make a move, but don't give up anyone good. It's okay. Well, then you're gonna get a bunch of what you already have. Okay, so you might as well just not make any move at that point. Go get a star. And I think one bat, if you were to add an MVP caliber bat to the middle of this lineup, I think it would make a world of difference. It would uplift everyone in the lineup.
0: All right. Uh, 8, 7, 7, 8, 6, 7, 16, 70. I see a call on hold. We'll get to it next. Grant, I want to throw some names out. I want to workshop who this could be and what the trade could look like. Because, okay. I mean, that obviously plays into this whole don't trade Jackson Chervio thing. We're going to talk <laughs> yeah. about that when we come back. It's Ben Kenny, Grant Bills, and for Bill Michaels.
1: This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. <laughs>
0: Welcome back in. It is the Bill Michaels show. Ben Kenny and Grant Bills are in for Bill today. 877-867-1670. You want to get a hold of the program. A lot of of state of the Brewers talk today with them back in action tonight in Minneapolis uh, against the Twins and then the All-Star break around the corner. Uh, We'll go to the phones in a second real quick. Some breaking news coming out of the Wisconsin football program, according to Evan Flood. Of 24-7 sports. Cormac Samson.
1: What's up? Sorry, I like Kevin Flood. I got excited. I uh, just had to
0: jump Did in. you say flutter?
1: Yeah, I did. Oh man. flutty.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Cormac Samson, backup offensive lineman, figured to be the backup center, rising senior, will not play his senior season at Wisconsin. He has left the program. That's really all that's come out about it. We'll update that as time goes on and talk more about it. Once more is known, but he has left the program. Reportedly, he was he penciled in to be probably the backup center this year behind Joe Tippman. Uh, maybe a transfer portal, but who knows? We'll see as more comes out. Don't want to speculate there. 877-867-1670. You want to get a hold of the program? Do it. Let's go to the phones. Z and the D. What's up?
2: What's up, guys? So, you guys earlier were talking about 2014 San Francisco Giants. So. My little tidbit on that is that me and my friend, we have a pack. Whenever our team's, I'm a Red Sox fan, he's a Giants fan. Whenever our team's within like a seven-hour drive, we will drive to a game for the World Series if they make the World Series. So That's a great pack to have. It's a great one. Yeah, so 2013, Red Sox go to St. Louis. So we go down to St. Louis, catch the Red Sox or St. Louis in the World Series. My team wins. 2014, we got the fortunate fact that the Giants were playing against the Royals, so we made the pack, but kept the pack. Went down to Kansas City for game six. That was the game where Kansas City blew out the Giants. I think it was like 10-1. to 1. It wasn't a pretty game. But everything around that game, everyone's like, I don't know about game seven. We're scared of Bumgarner. We've seen what he's got. He's shutting us down. At, like, we went to a restaurant. We went to bars. And they were just like, we don't know what we want with game seven. Cause Bumgarner, if he comes in, he's going to shut us down. And goes into the inning number three, shuts it down. But like it's like a um, Giants team that great pitching. I could see similarities where Cornburn is the uh, Madison Baumgarner. Brandon Woodruff would be like that between Tim Hudson, the Tim Lincecum role. Uh, I would even
0: see. I would even call this Brewers staff better. I mean, that was not I, peak Lincecum. He was thirty years old. He was kind of over the hill. Tim Hudson was. Uh, he used thirty-eight. He pitched well, but he wasn't blowing people away. Matt Kane was okay. Jake Peavy ended up pl- pitching really well. Yep. But top to bottom, I'd probably take this Brewers staff and bullpen together over that one.
2: Hands down, I totally, 100% agree with you there. So that's where the Brewers got the edge there. You've got to just make the dance. And Once you get to the dance, you can do your dance and boogie. And if it works out so well, you will get to the bigger dance. And yep. so that's where the Brewers pitching staff has the upper hand. Now, the thing with the Giants, Oh. No, that was the one where he got that big contract afterwards, with Boston Red Sox, which obviously didn't pay off in my team at the end. They got a huge <laughs> contract.
0: That was but the Bobby Brandon Valentine Belt. year, no? Or maybe that was before.
2: It, I think it might have been like the year before. I think they just still... Um,
0: Pablo and Hanley Ramirez in the same offseason.
2: Yeah. They were both was, cooked. Uh, oh, uglier than heck. But, and then, but they had Brandon Belt was younger. They had Brandon Crawford, who was an up-and-coming shortstop. Buster Posey was still there. That was his second World Series, maybe even third World Series, so he knew what to do. Yep. They just had the players surrounded, and they all just clicked together at the end. And that's where the Brewers, they don't have that dominant bat. Like Christian Yelich. yeah, he's be that dominant bat, but he hasn't thrown it in two plus years. So we're not going to anticipate that's to happen. But if you just get the right players at the right time click together, Brewers can make that run. I mean anything can happen in the postseason, you know, if the other team gets a player that gets hurt, like when they're starting pitchers, like, let's say, Max Freed of the Atlanta Braves, he goes down. Now the Braves are down a little bit on their pitching staff, or you got the Mets where, uh, what's it say, Scherzer just isn't himself in the postseason, or Jacob DeGrom comes back, but he isn't Jacob DeGrom. You know, he's opting out probably after this year. So, I mean, anything can happen. We've seen it. Giants are great story about it. So, and at that time, I don't think the Giants were spending hands over fist money. I mean, probably their biggest players on their payroll was probably Hudson, uh, probably still playing Barry Zito, even though he wasn't on the staff. Um, who else would they be paying? They weren't paying anyone. I mean, look at their outfield. It's 100 pence. That was it.
0: Yeah, they did have, I, I just pulled it up. They had the seventh highest payroll uh Matt Kane was a big ticket guy. He was the guy they were paying the most to. Um but
2: probably making around 20 mil.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's hard to compare the certain numbers because things yeah. have changed, but Kane made 20.8. Tim Lincecum was making 17 mil. Pence, Hudson, Posey in that order, Angel Pagan, Sandoval. They were still paying Barry Zito at that point, Marco yeah. Scudero. So, yeah, they they had a high payroll, but none of those guys, although they were paying them a lot, First, most of them were pitchers at the top, but none of them were blow-you-away hitters except for, I, I would argue, Buster Posey in that group. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah.
2: yeah, Brewers fans, keep your heads up.
0: Anything can happen. Ah, there it is. That's the attitude. That's the attitude. I appreciate it, Z. You, Z in the D.
1: The one thing that's jumping out to me on this roster, Brett Bochy, son of Bruce Bochy, was on this team. A relief pitcher, never played. I'm not saying that Brady Council should be added to the postseason <laughs> roster, but... I'd rather have him out there than Brent Suter at this point. Hey, if he's going to ride the bench in the bullpen.
0: Hey, Greg Gard just added his son to the Wisconsin Badgers. Anything is yeah. possible.
1: Yeah, I had a caller who was upset about that the other day, actually. It was on Friday. Why? Um, well, okay, to be fair to this caller, uh, we were playing a game where we just had to be mad about things. So <laughs> I We were doing this thing on Friday where I, I had two dice, and I'd roll one dice to pick a team, and then the other dice told us like what, how we needed to feel like be upset or be happy or say that someone should be fired. And we had to be angry about Badgers basketball, which is a toughie. Cause so I got mad that Johnny Davis went back on his commitment to play for the university leaving after just a second year. And then a caller called in to be mad about how Greg Gard's son is on the team.
0: All right. Nepotism. All right. Good segment. Good segment. 877-867-1670. You want to join the program? Do it. We're going to step away here. Take a quick break. A lot to come. A lot to come on potential trades. What this Brewers team needs to do moving forward. Zina D also mentioned Christian Yelich. We're going to talk about him. Is there something that he can do in the next week? Week plus to get himself back to prime form. We'll talk about what we think that would actually do and whether there's something real there. It's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels.
1: Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: In Bill Michaels show Ben Kenny Grant Bill's in for Bill today 877 867 1670. If you want to join the conversation, or you can tweet at him at Wisco Grant, myself at Ben Z Kenny. You miss any of the show today, it is always available in podcast form. Just search the Bill Michaels show, it'll be wherever you find podcasts. Quickly, a little update on the Cormac Sampson situation he told 247 Sports. Uh, Samson again, being the Wisconsin backup offensive lineman that will now leave the program and not play his senior season. He said he he graduated this past spring. He felt uh, the direct quote is, I felt like uh, for my professional career as an educator, I needed to pursue that more fully than having another year of college football. It was fully Uh, my choice and I'm proud of what I accomplished. So not, not a transfer. Yeah. Good for him. Not a portal situation. Uh, nothing else going on there I did I I am a little sitting here today uh, there's relief I think is the best way to put it that after spring ball there were no Badgers to enter the portal we saw that a good amount around college football where obviously right after last season there was big movement we saw a lot of Badgers enter the portal during and after the season most of whom by the way haven't really found great locations aside from Wisconsin. So I wonder what that will look like going back at this point. But a little bit of relief that Wisconsin didn't lose anybody, maybe young guys that weren't going to play or anything along those lines. This isn't totally to
1: judge athletes that go into the transfer portal. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just saying, what percent of players do you think that enter the transfer portal, go somewhere else, way better situation, way better playing time, works out great. I feel like if you're transferring, you're probably not on great footing in a division one program. Anyways, I'm not trying to sound judgmental at all. Right. But what's the success rate for guys who hit the transfer portal and go somewhere and just strike oil and hit it big.
0: I think for the good players out there for the quarterbacks that have moved a lot of that works out well, like Adrian Martinez, former Nebraska quarterback, uh, who I'm a big fan of went to Kansas state. He's going to have success there. You look around, all the quarterbacks are going to end up being in good spots, but for the guys, maybe a couple notches lower on the totem pole in terms of skill level. Most of the time, because there's so many guys that go in and so many guys out yeah. there, only a certain amount of programs uh, to go do it. So I would say overall, I, I think you're right. There is an, there is a sense of most of the time. It does not work out perfectly, Hopefully, as time goes by, it overcorrects the other way where more people stay around, but we'll see. All right, when we come back, I had mentioned in a couple of segments ago, we'll hit it next. Trades for the Brewers, what could they look like? Should they give away a top prospect? We'll get into that. It's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. The Bill Michaels Show
1: Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.